Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ford Progress on this Monday, September 25th. Post week three, we've got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was. Look forward to this week's lines and early market moves, as well as impactful injuries we're keeping our eyes on. And we'll once again preview both Monday night football games. If you're not already, you should really subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content. Also, smash the like button. It helps boost us in the algorithm, allows us to grow bigger, and give you great insights to you, the viewer. Of course, none of this would be possible without our sponsor, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for 25 years. Competitive odds, your trusted sports book, Bet Smart, Bet Pinnacle. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. With that being said, I'm your host, George Selfidis, and I'm excited to get this show on the road. Joining me right now are Cleve TA plus EV better, ClevAnalytics.com, and Suma Pro Sports Better creator on the Hammer Betting Network. Guys, I want to start off with the Sunday night football game. And I guess the story that came out of it was um, the fourth down decision to kick a field goal instead of go for it, uh, fourth and fourth from the eight. Cleve. Uh, Josh McDaniels once again shows like the good and the bad. The good is the Devontae Adams Adams fourth and one deep shot that he hits for a touchdown. And the bad is the decision to kick a field goal there. Why can't he figure this thing out? Wait, so that was a good play, that fourth down uh, heave? (laughs) I mean, all I had to do was quarterback sneak it. I actually was like, I couldn't believe he tossed that. He did the same thing against the Chiefs, you remember, on Monday Night Football last year. Well, yeah, that's a high-risk situation. I don't think you needed to do that. But, yeah, I actually hated um, – I, I was on the Raiders. It was a terrible, terrible call on my part. But um, thought maybe get lucky, go to overtime and have a shot. The first field goal attempt, I actually didn't agree with. And it looks like the numbers are essentially split 50-50. And I still uh, – the second one was a clear. You had to go for it. I still don't think the first one um, made any sense, mainly because of, you know, the, the Raiders, if you watch that game, outside of that, that fourth down touchdown, you know, one of the first drives, they didn't do anything. They couldn't even get inside the 50. JJ or uh, TJ Watt was harassing uh, Garoppolo all game. He was not playing well. So, you know, for, to assume that you're going to kick a field goal, you know, stop them with a bad defense and then get the ball back and go length of the field to score a touchdown, I thought it was a lot to ask for. Not, not to mention that was a 47-yard field goal. It wasn't a layup. So, uh, I didn't agree with the first one, but okay, they 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 got lucky and then they got down again, and I uh, can't believe that they decided to kick that. It just made no sense. So it was a clear. He does weird things, even in that Chiefs game last year. I think he went for two down one with about four minutes left, five minutes left. Made no yeah. sense to take the lead there. So he does some odd things, and uh, I'm not sure where he's getting his information from. Uh, it's an analytics staffer or if it's just him making his own decisions, but just really, really odd decisions there. Uh, Suma, there's something about the Raiders where the stories don't stop once the game finishes. We come to find out uh, Devontae Adams has some quotes about 
I'm not going to stick around long to suffer this losing. And then we find out moments before we go in the show that Jimmy Garoppolo is in the concussion protocol. Is the Raiders just a powder keg ready to explode? Just a bad situation? It might be looking that way. I mean, if it's Aiden O'Connor starting on the road, on the road um, against Justin Herbert this week, and they could be looking to go one and three on the season. I mean, that could be pretty damning for the locker room already. Um, yeah, I mean, I think from a player's point of view, it's very tough that A, you are losing, and B, your coach doesn't trust your offense to convert a fourth and four with two minutes, 20 seconds left or something. I, I've seen a stat on Twitter today. Since they um, established the two-point conversion, I think, in 1990-something, there is there was not a single team before to kick a field goal with three or four minutes left, down eight or more points. Um, so far, and, and the Raiders are the are the first team. I think it was like with with fourth uh, fourth and five yards to go or something. But yeah, to me, Matthew Davido tweeted out that he had it as a one percent edge to kick the field goal, which I found really interesting because like every other conventional model was like four or five percent towards um, going for it. In my head, it would not have made any sense to kick the field goal. There must be something that I'm missing, maybe. But yeah, I mean, rough start for the Raiders, and it's not going to get any better soon with Jimmy in the concussion protocol. All right, let's talk about two games and do some takeaways with two teams that are having rough starts and two teams that seem to be doing well. We'll break down the Dolphins, Broncos, and Chiefs Bears. But let's start off with the story that everybody wants to talk about. The Dolphins have arrived. They have the best offense in the NFL. Suma, my first question to you is, are the Dolphins legit uh, Super Bowl, like top of the heap discussion? Are they as good as the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, Right now, it looks that way because I have the impression that they have built an offense that is very opponent-proof. And like that speed element with Devon at chain and their run game looks a lot better. Um, I mean, I will not get into a tour discussion today, but uh, when, you look at, when you look at his passing chart, I mean, it's not that they scored 70 points by throwing like 12 or 14 deep bombs. It was just like skimming the heck open of all these guys without Jalen Waddle. And I think just the overall composure of Tua hitting everything in stride and people like running wide open and Broncos having no answer in the run game was pretty impressive to me. And right now it looks like as soon as or as long as these guys stay healthy, uh, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle had some hamstring issues last year. Hope they still ha- stay stay healthy throughout the course of the season. But right now, it looks like a very well old machine. And I mean, we already we, we already have like one data point that they put up 24 points on that pass defense on the road uh, in, in not the greatest conditions. So this week, uh, thing will be the final litmus test. Going, going on the road at Buffalo. I cannot wait for this game. This should be pretty amazing. 
Oh, so you need one more uh, data point just to be sure. Uh, Cleve, a lot was made about the Dolphins' fragility. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, if Taron Armstead goes down, that O-line won't hold up. And he's been gone for two games. And, you know, they've given up one sack all year. And then, oh, if one of the two receivers goes out, you know, you can really take away the other guy. Uh, is it time to stop calling the Dolphins fragile? It looks like there's uh, some depth and um, some dynamic uh, aspects to this team that, you cannot take away with just one player. Hey, even Mike White threw a, a deep touchdown to, to Robbie, uh, Robbie Chosen, is that his name? Uh, in, yes. in garbage time. So <laughs> you could, you know, you never know. Hey, Mike White is not the worst backup to have if anything could happen to him. Not that it's, you know, great, but it, you could get worse. Um, but I think that what you think about my tweet before, uh, a little bit earlier, I actually was looking at MVP odds because I was curious. And Tyreek Hill was listed at 50 to 1 at DraftKings. It might be a you know, higher number elsewhere. But I actually think he is, from a value perspective, just the way that teams have to game plan for him defensively, he just opens so many things up. And it's just even, even when, you know, I was the idiot who took Denver plus 7, minus 109 this week. Great, great CLV. That really helped. Um, but uh, I, and my, my thesis was – Jalen Waddle, you know, potentially being out, you know, Patrick Sertain, maybe a top five corner, uh, top three corner, you know, he could at least hold down Tyreek. And so that, that gives the defense a little bit of a chance. And, it, you know, first, first drive of the game, just, just complete botch secondary um, situation. Tyreek goes like 70 yards for a touchdown and just, just, just changes everything. He, I mean, what do you think, George? Like he is from a value perspective, just so impossible to defend and game plan. I think he, he is the key to opening everything up. I know McDaniel's great. I know that, you know, two was really good, but just, I think he helps make things so much easier for that offense. He's incredible, but you know, MVP oftentimes is a narrative award. I think Tua is very likable. I, there's not like every, everything about him, the way he holds himself, the way he composes himself. The only way I can see that Tyree gets it without Tua winning is if Tua were to miss four or five games and the Dolphins don't miss a beat, then you might have a, a case to be made for Tyreek Hill. I actually um, have a question uh, because the Dolphins beat up on the Broncos. The Chiefs beat up on the Bears. These two teams look like they're 0-3 and spiraling out of control. Cleve, if you had to choose one team that you have a little bit more faith in that can somehow salvage something, who would it be between the two of them? Between which which team are we talking about? The Bears the and the Broncos, Broncos and the yeah uh, Broncos and the Bears. Oh my gosh! I would say the Broncos only because the Bears have been. I mean, the offense has actually been okay. Like they moved yeah. the ball yesterday. They had twenty points. They probably could have scored thirty if it wasn't for some some dumb penalties uh, in the red zone and, and some turnovers. Like you know, the, the Broncos weren't horrible on offense yesterday. It was just the. the the Miami uh, uh, show just kind of overtook everything. I mean, Chicago's a nightmare. They, I mean, the amount of points they've given up, um, their opponents have gone over their team total in 12 of the last 13 games. You go back to last year, uh, their, their opponents are averaging, uh, I think, something like 34 points per game in that stretch. Like, they haven't stopped anybody. I think they've covered one game since then, too. It's just the defense is on a historic level. They, they've got four guys in the secondary who could be out this week. Um, just major cluster injuries. And then Justin Fields is just a lost cause. Like, I thought he was going to run more this week after his comments. They didn't run. I mean, he, he didn't do any design runs at all. Um, maybe towards the end. I, I didn't watch the well, last quarter, Run at but, the beginning, I think. Yeah. 
And so it's like nothing is changing there, and he's not a drop back, drop back quarterback, and they don't have really their, their offensive lines a mess. So I don't know. I know that Russell Wilson's got a huge contract, but he's actually playing okay. If they just had, if they had the same defense they had last year, they'd probably be 2-1 two, be two right now, and it wouldn't be that bad. It's just that the defense is falling off a cliff and married with – with everything else, it just it just looks worse than, than it really is. But I, I think Denver has a little bit more to 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 live off of than uh, than the Bears right now. Suma, a lot was like being praised about Ryan Poles and the moves he's been making, and it's like, wait a minute, you traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool, your free agent. You know the way you uh, uh, distributed your cap dollars wasn't very smart. Is are we going to see a whole house cleaned like GM head coach? And quarterback, do you have optimism that at least one of them will be back next year? I, if I had to bet, if I had to make a bet now, I would probably go with Poles will stick and that he will just clean house and kick out everyone else uh, along with the quarterback. I just, I mean, this is such a mess like 14 straight losses, um, like spending the 30 second overall pick on Chase Claypool who has been a non-factor. They traded for DJ Moore essentially in the package. He has like, I don't know, 16 targets in three games. Justin Fields nowhere near um, getting better at, at, at anything. Defense, who is Matt Eberflus' unit basically, is completely yeah. atrocious and is, 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 is by far the worst unit since the start of last season. So there is not anything to like about this team or where we could say hey there was some bright spot i mean Tremaine Edmonds is like frozen on some pa uh, action from the chiefs yesterday especially on that uh, travis kelsey touchdown like he's just standing there and doing nothing like and, and that was your biggest um free agent acquisition basically so there's nothing to like about this team and i don't really see where the bright spots are going forward i will say the one Please. thing they do have they could have two top five picks maybe with, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so I won't give them like from that perspective, you know, if, if they do, <laughs> they wouldn't have fallen off a cliff. They should get a quarterback, and then you know somebody on defense or trade down. So that is the bright spot for them. But yeah, I, the Ryan Poles has done nothing to impress me. I mean, he took a last year didn't didn't really improve the offensive line much at all. High in the draft, took you know safety in a, a slot corner, uh, I think in the second round, and this year. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, he took uh, Vilas Jones, I think, in the third round last year, like a 24 year old yeah. rookie. Obviously. Like, just weird, weird thing. Spent, spent all his, his cap space on linebackers when he had no edge rush. It, it, he signed uh, Yannick and Gokway to, what, a one year deal or two year deal. Just guys that just didn't make any sense. So, it's just a really, really weird uh, situation in Chicago. I, I wouldn't trust to use those top five picks. Cleve, if we closed our eyes and rewinded this tape three weeks ago and we played the exact same thing you guys said, including the two picks in the top five, everyone would swear you were talking about the Arizona Cardinals. That's not the case. You've been making a case that they've been feisty and not tanking, and now they have a win to their name. Cleve, uh, what's going on in Arizona? I mean, I don't count me as one who thought they could beat Dallas. I... Uh... You know, was texting with a buddy. I said, "Oh, poor Gannon's got to face uh, Dallas this week. How are they going to survive?" And he just said, "I think they'll be okay." And that's all he said. And he got that from <laughs> from the coach himself. So I don't know. I mean, they have a belief in themselves. They have a really good system. Their coaching staff is really young, but they're really energetic and they're smart. 
their defensive coordinator is a whiz kid. Uh, I think I talked about last time. Uh, Nick Rallis came out of Philly. He's a third, like thirty-year-old linebacker coach that he handpicked. Said, "I will only take this job if he's my coordinator." And he has just been doing things uh, on defense that has been really impressive. And it did help that Dallas's O line was a complete mess uh, yesterday. <laughs> Uh, so that did help, you know, but still, I mean, I think the offense did a nice job. They were collapsing again. There was a chance to go to loss of league, came down and scored, um, you know, and then and then stopped them uh, in the end zone on the last drive. So I don't know. I, I said I, I thought they would play really hard. I didn't think they'd get this win, but you know, they're just going to keep playing hard. And look, by the time Kyler comes back, and by the way, I think they'll get blown out this week in San Francisco. This is like one of those spots where. You, know, you play really well, and, uh, but then you, kind of reality sets into it. And teams are going to take them seriously now. I think teams were not taking them seriously. I think it is going to happen now. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But they're going to get Kyler. I, I would be surprised if Kyler Murray's not back, you know, in, in the next month or two. And, you know, who knows? I, I don't think this is a number one pick situation uh, on their end. And they don't, again, they don't necessarily – when you get teams that are tanking, it's usually – teams without a franchise quarterback and whatever you think of Kyler, he's at least the top, you know, 12 to 15 quarterback in this league. I know his contract sucks, but at least they've got a quarterback. So if they don't get a, a top two pick, they do have a, a perfectly fine uh, uh, quarterback uh, in their midst and, and their cap situation is cleared up now. They did a nice job there and they loaded up on draft picks. So uh, I think they're, they're, they've got a really bright future. So it's just as long as they'll keep playing hard and uh, we'll see how things uh, pan out. But uh, yeah, I'm, you know, it's a good story. I think Josh Dobbs is a good guy. I think that the whole uh, story is good. Suma, uh, what happened to the Cowboys, and why are thousands of people waking up this morning and wondering why they're out of their survivor pool? <laughs> well, um, I think that Arizona made it very, very good on offense. Like They did some creative stuff in the one game where they created so some huge holes into the uh, Dallas um, uh, defense, uh, like their center who came over from the Browns, Shelter Froholt, the Danish guy, had some yeah. nice blocks um, in in uh, open space. Passing game, they, they got the Cowboys like three or four times on some play-action concepts where there was like a receiver running freely down the field. And I just I, I just had, had the feeling that Dallas was, or was caught by surprise and they didn't have a lot of answers defensively to the uh, Cardinals' offense. And on the other side, I mean, their run game was working. Their pass protection was an issue on, on some plays. They also got a, a little bit unlucky, like I think two turnovers right in front of the Arizona goal line, one turnover on downs and one st completely stupid interception by Dak Prescott. I'm not overly concerned about the Cowboys. I just think that maybe their defense without Trevon Diggs and might get sometimes caught a little bit and their defense might be a little bit more volatile and not that um, number one defense that we saw uh, or second defense, sorry, Cliff, um, uh, <laughs> over the first uh, two weeks. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Cowboys will be fine going forward. Maybe a good wake-up call. Um, not sure that Mike McCarthy and Brian Scott Neimer are the greatest coaches to find like in-game answers in in such a game. We will see about that going forward. But over uh, in general, not very that much concern. I think if they get their starting offensive line back, uh, they should be fine. All right, Suma, let's stick with you. If Dallas didn't put you out of your survivor, Jacksonville probably put the rest of the people out. What happened in Jacksonville? 
And it, how big could this Anton Harrison injury be if he doesn't play? Yeah, what happened in Jacksonville? So first of all, I think that CJ Stroud is legit. So that that Texans offense is looking really juicy, especially when we consider that they were without four starting offensive linemen that were supposed to start in week one. Um, there is still a very intriguing, interesting split that and you can really see it on the field happening in, in real time when Stroud has a clean pocket or can can really throw within structure every almost every throw is on the money i think we talked about it uh, last last week as well as soon as there's pressure the play collapses but the jaguars defense defense is not really equipped to apply a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks like um Kevin walker is a complete bust so far he has pass rushing grades in the in the 50s and 60s to to start to, to start his second season i'm a lot or really disappointed by by their defense like texans really had their number like all all game long but then on the other side jacksonville also also was very unlucky when it comes to the game script like uh, first three or four drives were killed by drops and fumbles after the catch, uh, blocked uh, missed field goal, blocked field goal. Then I think it was 10-17, and you really had the had the impression that Jacksonville was getting right back into the game, and then they had this weird kickoff that yeah. the fullback, I mean, he muffed it. Everyone thought, okay, play is over. And then he just returned it um, uh, for six. So I think there were some unlucky breaks, which should not take away anything from the Texans, who played very well on offense. But I think that just with a little bit more luck in these key situations, like you cannot bank on Kevin Ridley dropping two or three key passes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence ha is dealing with the second highest drop rate on the season so far. Like that's some stuff that has been really unlucky and should correct itself moving forward. But um, I'm concerned with their defense. Like th this offense has to be nearly perfect going forward against the better better opponents to make up for that defense. Yeah, the uh, they had four drives. Their first four drives all went into Houston territory, and I think they came away with seven points total out of it. Um, you know, someone's got to check if Calvin Ridley put in some money on Houston Texans because his performance was awful. He made some key drops in key situations. Cleve, uh, you're an Ohio State fan. I was adamant that C.J. Stroud was the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, he's looked pretty good. Houston's been banged up. My question for you is how good can Houston be when they start to get healthy? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that uh, Stroud was the best quarterback, too. I mean, exactly like that Suma said, if he has if he has a clean pocket, he's going to pick you apart. That's what he did at Ohio State. I mean, he's like the perfect seven-on-seven seven quarterback because he throws such a pretty ball. And even on you know, a couple of those throws to Dell, who's just beautiful, uh, deep balls. So, yeah, if he gets time, he'll be great. Uh, I didn't check the numbers. I don't know how often the Jaguars blitzed him, but they put no pressure. I know that. Uh, put no pressure on him. I think teams are eventually just going to blitz the house on him and try to get there because you know that's where he struggles and just a matter of can his receivers get separation. You know, I think they're one of those teams that are going to be feisty. I think they'll be very inconsistent. Like one week, you know, let's let's not forget they they got absolutely manhandled by the Colts last week. Um, you know, at home, so you know they were down twenty eight to ten in that game. 
Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, the Steelers are a really interesting matchup for them because I want to see how that defensive line goes and does against uh, that O-line, and we'll see how Strahler handles that pressure. I mean, that's going to be a great litmus test. You know, if, he can, if they can win that game and if he can survive that, then there's definitely high hopes because they've got a much easier schedule after that. I mean, they've got guys, teams like the Falcons and Saints at home and Carolina, Tampa, Arizona, Denver. Like, they've got some winnable games. So, you know, I think this is a good litmus test for them because, you know, they've got some pieces. I still think that, you know, that their defense has some ways to go. Um, but they, you know, they had some injuries there, so we'll see if they get people back. But, you know, I don't think they're playoff caliber, but I, I think they'll be definitely be um, in games that you would expect. All right. Uh, here's a defense that is uh, playoff caliber, maybe the best defense in the league. Um, Cleveland, my first question in this Tennessee-Cleveland breakdown uh, is Cleveland, can Cleveland's defense elevate them into a Super Bowl contender, or are they still going to have to figure out the offense? Well, the offense was good yesterday. Um, they were forced to throw to, I mean, against the pass funnel in, in the Titans. Yeah. That's what they did. I mean, uh, Watson had the highest – he had the highest completion percentage over expected of any quarterback this season. Uh, and I think the, maybe the best in like two years. I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. Some of the throws he had down the sideline, guys who were blanketed, he just put on the money. And um, he looked really good. Obviously, he had that bad <laughs> – I don't know what he was doing on that lateral. as exactly. So he's got kind of a <laughs> – Definitely, he's definitely trying to make too many plays. Like he's 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 trying too hard because he knows, you know, between the contract and everything else is going on, like he wants to prove that he's the same quarterback. So he's doing things that you wouldn't normally see. But you know, just after that play, he was really good, uh, and you know, I thought he handled that offense very well. But I do think the defense is, you know, Super Bowl caliber. I mean, it is. You know, going into the year, I, I had talked about how you had three guys between Darius Smith, Miles Garrett, and Okawankwo, who are three of the top 20 in, in pressure rate last year, uh, I think top 25 in, in pass rush win rate. You added that Belvin Tomlinson in the middle to help stop the run. And then you added Jim Schwartz, uh, just putting it, tying it all together. Just, I mean, there were some plays yesterday that uh, I couldn't believe the Tennessee offensive <laughs> lineman had any shot like that miles garrett just just completely swallowed ryan Tannehill up in less than two seconds and just that's just gonna happen and that's why um you know that matchup made a lot of sense for the browns you know um with that you know covering the three and a half was just when you've got a bad offensive line against that front you have no shot like you just you, ryan Tannehill just couldn't even drop back so against those those opponents they're gonna have that advantage and they're just they're just gonna overwhelm teams i'm curious this week's gonna be really interesting against Lamar, um, you know, really the, if you count Burrow's injury is, is not, you know, he's not, not the same Burrow. It's really going to be the first kind of legit quarterback that they face this year. And I want to see how, how they do against a running quarterback, because that's, you know, if he can get past that pass rush, you know, he's got opportunities to make plays. Um, so uh, it will be, uh, it's a really, really fun matchup, but they definitely are to me top three in the league. Um, as long as everybody stays healthy, I think they, they absolutely can elevate this team to the Super Bowl. Tuma, were you more impressed by Cleveland yesterday, or were you more discouraged by Tennessee's prospects moving forward? Uh, I think with a lot of hindsight back into it, I think I was more impressed with Cleveland. Um, and it, it, it really was obvious that the Cleveland Browns defense is a different caliber than 
the Chargers the week before. Um, I also think that I have not watched that game in condensed yet, only on Red Zone, but question 40A, was Hopkins really running a lot of routes because he was close to a game time decision to 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 even uh, go with the team to Cleveland. Uh, so, I mean, that offense for the Titans, if they cannot run the ball and uh, Tannehill is forced to drop back against arriving pressure, that's that's not a great reset for success. And um, they they really need these games where they have one of the or one of the softer defensive fronts as their opponent and gotta run the ball a little bit, gotta play, uh, gotta pass some play action off of it, and that was not going to be the case yesterday in Cleveland. Yeah, he ran I think twenty five routes of the what thirty or thirty two dropbacks. So he he was there okay. for most of, the, most of the game. All he was running though is funny. The first quarter they couldn't get anything going. Uh, they're trying to run some screens to stop the pressure, and, and they just kept throwing kind of the typical DeAndre Hopkins sideline fade route, um, back shoulder routes. That's all they ran, and, and they were successful once. And another time, I think he caught it out of bounds. But that was like the only thing they could do is okay, we got one on one sideline. Let's just throw a back shoulder to Hopkins. He wasn't separating anywhere over the middle of the field. So you know that that's really all you get out of Hopkins. So uh, there's not much that you can do otherwise of that. There's no speed on that offense really at all. No game yep. breakers. Um, there's really nothing they can do. I mean, I think against teams like the, the Chargers, kind of mediocre to the poor pass rushes, they can get away with a lot of it. I think they'll win some games. It's just when when you get matched up against a team like the Browns, that, that offensive line without Skaronski just has zero shot, even with him. Now without him, it's just it's just they had no chance at all. So uh, I think it's they're fine against other opponents. Just that's a bad matchup. All right, Suma, let's start with you. I want to talk about the Jets. The The Jets are averaging less than one point per drive, and they average 12 yards per drive. It's it's actually quite pathetic to watch. And yet Robert Sala continues to come out and say, uh, Zach Wilson gives us the best chance to win. Uh, I think uh, running uh, 11 players and no quarterbacks on the field would give them a better chance of moving the ball. Um, are the Jets going to make a play for somebody? I know Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan we're inquiring, but like they can't, they can't be serious to let Zach Wilson. He's gonna, he's gonna railroad this whole season and probably get everybody fired, right? I mean, Salah gotta stop this bullshit. I mean, I cannot listen to it anymore. Um, they they spent the for, for, sorry about they spent the whole off season like trying to get forty year old Aaron Rodgers into this building because they wanted to move on from Zach Wilson, who was inactive last season after some bad or horrific performances. They really set him in, inactive. Then they moved on from him, desperately wanted to get Aaron Rodgers with all the off-season drama, with all the trade drama. And now they are telling us that Zach Wilson is that guy. I mean, no one, no one with a brain is going to buy this. And um, after this week, when they get pummeled by the Chiefs, I mean, this has to be over. Like, get someone there, start Tim Boyle, go Wildcat or something. But this has to end. The the Zach Wilson experiment is completely over, and no one is going to believe that he's their guy. Get Tim. I guess the first get uh, get Tim Boyle uh, chant that we will ever see. <laughs> yes. I mean, when you're, <laughs> it's so bad. Like, here's the thing that's honestly the only explanation I have is that Robert Sala thinks that if Zach Wilson keeps getting thrown out there, he'll get all the blame. 
and they'll give Salah another year and say, oh, yeah, you didn't have a quarterback. So and that's, that has to be the only explanation. And, and the people that say, oh, you can't bring in a new quarterback and learn the system, like how long does it take? Just You can get a basic playbook for most any NFL quarterback who's been around for a while, and they can learn, you know, like I said, the basics. They don't have to know the entire playbook. You can easily do that and ramp them up in a couple of weeks. If they would have started it after the opener, they'd be ready right now uh, to play and be good to go. Now it's almost too late. Like by the time they get somebody in there and, and Jameis Winston, who I, I've mentioned as a possibility, you know, he's already going to be probably starting next week for the Saints. So that's off the table. I said, I made a joke yesterday watching the Panthers and we'll talk. I mean, I don't know if we'll talk about them, but um, Andy Dalton, well, I think this team would win 10 games with Andy Dalton right now. I know it's crazy. Possibly, yeah. He he's he can at least get you in the right spots. He can make plays. He can. I mean, Zach Wilson has no shot at all. Um, he has no idea. I mean, fourth down. What do you think, Sumo? That fourth down checkdown to Tyler uh, Tyler Conklin for two yards. That was really brilliant. I mean, I mean. I, I, I gotta say that I was on the pads yesterday at minus two and a half, and it was a little bit sweaty at the end. But I mean, as soon as he dropped back at, and. He was looking to the guy in the flat. I mean, <laughs> I mean how in the world? Like, I mean, Garrett Wilson is running down the field. Like, oh, yeah. just chuck it up to him. Chuck it up to your best receiver. I mean, he threw it nine yards short of the first down marker. Nine <laughs> yards? How is that possible? I mean, that's not even Derek Carr fourth down level uh, from a couple of years ago. I mean, this is horrific. That was Kirk Cousins to TJ Hawkinson in the playoffs. But this was worse. Yes, that's true. We only had, we only, I think we only had a couple yards to get. This this is nine yards, yeah. Andy. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's not uh, pile on the Jets. I'm sure we're going to recap the Sunday night football game next Monday and, and have another laugh at them. Let's talk about current market prices, Detroit and Green Bay. They are competing to see who can have the longer injury list. Green Bay made the shocking dis, uh, decision to rest everybody before Sunday's game. No Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Jair Alexander, uh, David Bakhtiari, Elkin Jenkins. They still ended up winning the game, but they also suffered more injuries. Zach Tom and Devontae Campbell. And then the Lions, you know, they're still missing their left tackle. Taylor Decker, Vitae Montgomery, Kirby Joseph, Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, Taylor Decker's replacement, Matt Nelson, also got hurt. And they get to both play on a short week on Thursday. Uh, my first question, I guess, Cleve, is do you expect one of these two teams' injury reports to get a little bit better by Thursday um, entering the game? Yeah, my, my – I mean, if, if you tend to believe what uh, we saw yesterday morning is that they, the Packers ended up holding back guys like Watson and Alexander and Jones because uh, the Thursday night game was coming up, obviously, in division – that game means more than the Saints game did. And so they would have rather have just let them rest, and even if it you know, results in a loss, get them, you know, make sure they're fully healthy for this, this showdown uh, on Thursday. And so for them to get to do that and get the win, I mean, they've got to be ecstatic. So I would, I would suspect that Watson and Jones play at least. Um, I mean, I'm, Alexander maybe, but I think they'll get a couple of guys back at the very least. I, I think that was intentional. Uh, I think when it was – when it came down to it, they were just being cautious. So I think their injury report is going to, is going to look better. Um, you know, with Detroit, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how some of those injuries, I mean, like with Gardner Johnson, is he on IR? I think he's gone already. Um, yes. Yes. Bruce Lee. I mean, 
I, I think the only ones, Vitae might be the only one who could come back. I, I don't have all the IR guys, but I think he's the one um, who has a shot to come back. Although their own line is fine, although they, they, Jared Goff did feel a little more pressure than I thought he would yesterday, and their offense was not totally in sync. Um, so maybe they do need those guys back. But um, I, I think the Green Bay O-line, um, I would expect those to, to look a little – I mean, the Green Bay uh, um, injury list to look a little bit better. I'm actually surprised – well, actually, we're starting to see Green Bay take some money. I see they're a plus one now. I think they're a plus two earlier. So um, I was surprised they're not favored at this point. I, I would anticipate those guys play. And I think when that happens, maybe they flip to a one-point favorite. But that's just my guess. Yeah. Suma, the line opened like one, one and a half. It, some places got to two, two and a half. Um, I'm also surprised it moved in Detroit's direction. Do you think if the Packers get positive injury news, uh, we'll see this the spread flip, or do you still anticipate Detroit closing as the favorite? I would side with you guys. I, I think that if, if the Packers can get Christian Watson and, and Aaron Jones back this should uh, move towards the Packers. Jair Alexander, he was popping up on, I think, Friday with a yeah, back, yeah. back issue. So it's pretty much undisclosed. We don't really know what's behind the, uh, that injury. Eric Stokes is still on, on the pub list or on IR. So, um, yeah, Jair Alexander would uh, definitely help in this game, I would, uh, I would assume, but I think with Christian Watson and with Aaron Jones, this is going to be a much better offense, which was still pretty solid so far. They they have a low success, low success rate, higher EPA per play, so they are re reliant a little bit more on big plays and and not or, and are not able to move the ball on a consistent down to down basis. But I think with all the injuries, we can definitely get behind that. And I, th and I think with Aaron Jones, like the downgrade from Aaron Jones to uh, to AJ Dillon is massive in my opinion and i think getting your wide receiver one and your rb1 back um should really help them and i would also not be surprised if that number flips come come thursday and we i think we're all, we all have a ticket on the green bay uh yeah like i was going to say this is a big game like i would love a green bay victory on thursday yeah that would be nice uh, all right, let, let's talk about the game of the week, and I'm not just saying that because it's the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, but like this is this is it, right? Like, if Miami goes into Buffalo and beats them convincingly, uh, I don't want to hear any more goalposts being moved. Uh, that's it; the conversation ends. Uh, injury report: Jalen Waddle will be watching for him. Probably he's gonna go if he clears concussion protocol. Jalen Phillips, uh, Connor Williams got hurt. I don't know how much of that is, hey, uh, we're blowing out Denver. No need to rush back into the game. Buffalo came out of this game relatively clean. Right now, the line is sitting at two and a half. Suma, do you think we get to a three by kickoff? To be honest, right now, I mean, it, it's a Monday and there might be more information available, available to us later in the week. But I think at 2.75, which I made this line early on, I think it, it's a perfect spot like... At plus yeah, yeah. three, I would expect Miami money, and mm -hmm. at uh, two and a half, I would expect Bills money. I think this line right now looks to be perfect. I actually, I was surprised when I do the kind of my my lines before and I, I check. I thought this would be a three, but three and a half. Maybe I have too many priors with, with Buffalo too high. I'm surprised it's under field goal Buffalo at home. So they're essentially saying these are equal teams right now. That's that's two a I, baby. I know it's pretty. It's it's hard to grasp that uh, that when you kind of 
put it all like on the line that these are equally rated teams in the market. I still have Buffalo slightly ahead. I mean, look, this is still the same Dolphins team that was that needed a last second touchdown to beat the Chargers. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no slander. Like I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that they're you know they didn't blow away the Patriots. The Patriots at least stayed within a touchdown. Like there was. You know, this this is still they still haven't faced a team like the Bills. I, I this look if they win this game, yeah, they they probably uh leap to the number two uh team in the AFC with this win, clearly. Um, and I think it's gonna be a good game. I'm just surprised, I think it gets a three. I really do. I think there'll be there's enough sentiment in the marketplace for Buffalo to get to three. We'll see what happens, but I think we'll get there. That's just my guess, this is my personal guess, but um. It's it's two it's yeah two point seven five right now. There's definitely uh, juice on the uh, on the two and a half. So yep. um, yeah, well it'll be interesting. We'll see if the books get there. I remember I joined Rob last Monday for a watch along and. Somebody asked if the Chiefs are still the best team in the league, and uh, we, we both agreed they're still the number one power-rated team. And Rob goes like, who's number two? And I was embarrassed to say I have Miami tied with Buffalo. Uh, that's why I, I also make the line 2.5. I don't make it 2.75, but I think the odds makers have it right on. I, uh, this might be the best game of the week. If not, it's, it's number two, Baltimore and Cleveland. And Cleveland is just uh, Greg Newsom injuries, the one to watch for. He missed last week. The Ravens already had a long uh, laundry list of injuries. Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, Marlon Humphrey, Odafe Owe, Odell Beckham Jr., Justice Hill. And then they went and lost David Ojabo, Gus Edwards, Rashad Bateman, Geno Stone. This ha- They have to have the worst medical staff. There's this inexplainable. Every year we, we get to this point where the Ravens have 10 guys missing. Uh, let's start with it. Um, Cleve, um, it was two and a half. It looks like some places are going to three. Um, do you also see that two and a half, three balance all week, kind of like Miami Buffalo, or do you think it'll settle up to three solid? Oh, I don't see a three anywhere. I wonder where that is. I mean, pinnacle with two and a half, 118. I, uh, I, I was actually going back and forth with somebody, another fan this morning. I didn't think that would get to three at all. Uh, unless like everybody is out for Baltimore. I, I just think that there's enough uh, interest in Baltimore in the market that it, it, if it hit three, enough people would get on it to jump back to two and a half. So I think if you did see a three, I think it would, it would quickly go back to two and a half. I just think people respect the Ravens too much. Uh, we, they saw what they did against, against Cincinnati two weeks ago uh, in the same kind of spot when it was at three and a half and it went bounce back to three. Uh, I just think that people have enough questions about Deshaun Watson in this offense that it's hard to. It's, I mean, they just were th- three and a half. They, they didn't get to three and a half against Tennessee until game day, right? And it wasn't a flat three and a half. So how can you make them three here? I would be, I'd be stunned. Um, quite frankly, I'm just gonna say that I'd be stunned if it gets to three flat one time, unless, like, unless they're missing ten starters, and maybe. But uh, well, yeah, that's that would be the reason, right? It'd, it'd be the injury report. Um, but Zuma, I mean, but, uh, that it was just like I'm just saying everybody you listed is out I don't know what the, their status will be I'm assuming some will play I'm assuming one of the linemen could come back um I don't think I, Marlon Humphrey was supposed to be a four-week injury so I don't know if he's has a shot to play I think they'll get some people back but uh we'll see I, I uh I mean to lay three with Deshaun Watson over this Ravens team would be it would be interesting from the market perspective uh, is, Cle- is Cleve being humble here, or do you agree with him that they shouldn't get the three? 
I'm more around three with this one with the current injury situation. I I think that the Browns are catching the Ravens in like the perfect spot with all their injuries, especially Ronnie Stanley. They have been very conservative with him in the past, and and even if he was close to returning or was able to return, they they had like um, splitting snaps within the game where Patrick McCarry came in for like 20, 25 snaps or something. I, I would be surprised if they rush him back. Tyler Linderbaum ankle injury would be his third missed game. If it's a, a high ankle sprain, he will pro probably still be out. Odell Beckham, don't know if they will rush him back. Uh, Rashad Bateman left with a hamstring injury, had a limp after the game. So I, I really think that the Ravens are very shorthanded this week unless they get like a a few key players back. And I, I just think that the Browns with how they're playing defensively are really catching the Ravens in a perfect spot. Like seven weeks from now or whenever it's the uh, second game, this could be completely flipped when the Ravens are healthy. But I think this week, if they don't get several key players back, I think it will, like, it will be a very good situation to be shaping up for the Browns. Well, I wonder Carter. if it's, similar to, sorry, George, I wonder if it's similar yeah. to like the Green Bay where they, Baltimore, you know, eight-point favorite against the Colts with a big division game on the next week. They just held some guys back that could have played or was borderline. I wonder if there's any of that. I don't. Again, I don't know. I haven't studied these injuries enough, but there could have been some guys that maybe if it was like a key game, maybe they play. So, um, yeah, I will see. I mean, if everybody, let's say they got back, let's say they got back Stanley, and you know, there's the, the, the rest of the you know, injuries aren't horrible. I mean, what do you guys make this? Is this closer to a, a one, one and a half if, if it's a healthier Ravens team? Or are you still thinking just two and a half? It's not a big drop off uh, to two and a half. Because I, like I said, I, I'd be surprised. I, I was thinking it would be closer to, this would be closer to a one and a half than it would have three. But maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe uh, maybe I'm thinking Baltimore is a bet against my own team. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cottage eleven one hundred says, "Isn't this game an underlook with the Ravens injuries? Do you guys think directionally that's the way you see it, or does this have some uh, breakout potential to have some scoring?" I would probably rather look to, towards the under right now at, at uh, forty one, but I don't have a strong opinion on that. Um, if the Ravens are still without several offensive linemen, and maybe if uh, Odell and Bateman are out. I mean, it, it's very hard for me to see Ravens getting on the scoreboard very often in this one, even though I'm, I, I'm high on them, on them um, in general. And I also think that they got extremely unlucky against the Colts. But this Browns defense, man, this is, this is they are playing in a, in a different ballpark right now. And that defensive line is, is really not only very strong but also um very predictable going forward and that's what makes uh, that's what will make it very tough for opposing offenses i will say he's had lamar has had some of the worst games of his career against this Browns defense for what it's worth so there is some there could be something there with the familiarity and just the way they've played him in the past so um i mean under it could be that's actually a reasonable take i think um you know browns are just i think that close at pittsburgh was like 38 something like that. So, you know, an extra three points without Nick Chubb, you know, I, it's kind of a similar kind of division matchup. So it's not a bad, it's not a bad look there. 
Yeah, I have no doubt these two games will be front and center for me at 1 o'clock. Uh, big game at 4 o'clock, New England-Dallas. Um, some interesting line movement. The, it looked like the total opened 41, and money came in on the over right away. The line also opened 7. Um, I anticipate it going under that, um, and, and some New England money coming in. Cleve, do you echo that sentiment, or do you think 7 will hold? Uh, well, just like I said, I think last week on the show, I said if Detroit got the three, I'd be all over Detroit. And I think the next day I got the three, and I was all over Detroit, and that was a winner. So I was happy about that. If that got under seven, I would jump on Dallas. Uh, I don't – these – you guys have been around long enough. Like, these good teams like Dallas, they they lose in a big upset. It doesn't. It, it's actually – they refocus the next week. It's like no matter what happens the prior week, um, I don't take that into consideration for for the next week. I don't think New England's very good. Uh, I don't think that they can match up with this uh, this defense for for Dallas. So uh, I would I would lean. I mean, again, now maybe the offensive line injuries for for Dallas are much worse than we think. But uh, assuming yeah. that they get back, you know, the, the center and maybe Tyron Smith, uh, I think that uh, seven would, or six and a half would be a take on Dallas. Um, so I, I think it's just going to stick at seven. Um, except barring some bad injury news on the offensive line for Dallas, but I think seven is probably the right number. Tuma, do you agree or do you think it gets under the seven? Depends on the injury situation. Uh, I agree with uh, TA in general. When we look at how the Pats play against good offenses and bad offenses, mm -hmm. especially last season, I mean, against bad offenses, they played like the 31st ranked offense in EPA per play and success rate against the pass, I guess. Um, they are very shorthanded um, in their secondary. I think going into the game, Marcus Jones, IR, Jack Jones, IR, and Jonathan Jones Jonathan was Jones out. Yeah. Yes, all three Joneses, <laughs> jo Joneses were out. Um, Trey Flowers is, is, is on the pup list. Devon got show their nose tickle left week three with an, with an uh, ankle injury and a heavy wrap um, around his foot. So, um, I mean, yeah, I also don't buy this this Pats team in general. I completely agree with TA there. And the, the key part will be watching that um, Dallas offensive line, how they progress throughout the week. Because if that's O-line, uh, if that O-line is going to miss three starters again, I think the Pats have a have a edge there when it comes to dialing up some some pass rush, and also I would think that we will not look at a closing line of seven if that's the case. But if if the Cowboys are healthy on their offensive line, they should be a good matchup. All right, let's talk about the last game with a lot of line movement today. Uh, Raiders Chargers. The Chargers, of course, didn't have Austin Eckler or Eric Kendricks during the game last week uh, or yesterday. They also lost wide receiver Mike Williams for the season and safety Derwin James didn't finish the game. However, the injury story of this game is Jimmy Garoppolo is in concussion protocol. The line opened up 51. It started to leak down before we even got full wind of Jimmy not playing. Uh, it's currently sitting at 47 and a half, 48. The line that opened four and a half is sitting at five and a half, six in the market. Um, let's start. Um, if Jimmy G doesn't go, uh, Suma, is this going to continue being Chargers money and under money? Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, that line, I, I think the opener was minus four, four and a half. Am I correct? 
Yeah, four yeah. and a half. So there, there was one book dealing a three and a half, but but yeah, it was four and okay. a half in market. Yeah, four and a half. I mean, downgrade from Jimmy G to Ed O'Connell to preseason beast Ed O'Connell. Uh, oh, yeah, is still it gonna be. Is it Ohio? I thought Boyer was warming up yesterday. No. I mean, to, yes, assume it could be. has been uh, Aiden O'Connell whisperer here at Forward Progress. Well, I love, I, mean, I love O'Connell at Purdue. I'm a big, big Ten guy. I love, but I trust me. I think he should start. Brian Hoyer's arm is dead. I just thought, I saw him warming up yesterday. I don't think uh, O'Connell was was even active. Surprisingly. Okay, so I I'm I. I, I could be wrong on that, but I mean, what's the point of starting Hoyer in this game? I agree. I mean, uh, I mean O'Connell looked very good in the in the preseason. Um, you gotta figure that out. I mean, <laughs> okay, but um, if it's Hoyer, I mean, I I don't see how this is going to close below below minus seven. I mean, how Please, is Cleaver, are you, Hoyer uh, going toe to toe with Justin Herbert? Cleve, are you echoing that sentiment? Yeah, Brian Hoyer's terrible. I, I, I agree. Like, there's no reason why O'Connell shouldn't get the start. Maybe they just figure, you know, in a spot like uh, to, just to, to, you know, to come in for some plays in game that it made sense to have Hoyer uh, active for just for that reason. But if you have a full week to prepare, I would prepare O'Connell. Like, there's, yes. I can't imagine that you, you know, you're going to throw out Brian Hoyer, who hasn't had an arm in five years. Uh, he he's really bad right now. So yeah, if that was under if that's under seven with Ryan Hoyer, I, I'm more than willing to to take the. I hate laying money with the Chargers, laying points with the Chargers anytime. But Brian Hoyer might get me out of uh, out of that retirement <laughs> because he is not good anymore. Um, he was just average to begin with. I mean, I don't think he's really as he started in the last three years. It's been a while. I know he's come in and mop up. I think he started one game at Arrowhead when. Uh, yeah, that was during COVID, right? Cam Newton had COVID. Yes, yes, COVID, and I think Cam Newton was out with COVID, and and he started at Arrowhead, and they really kept that one close. I but think he's I'm looking at forty-one percent success rate, negative two point, uh, negative two seven nine EPA. And he scored ten points. I think that was uh, didn't do much there. I don't. I you know. I guess throw it up to Devontae Adams a hundred times and hope that. I mean, they they don't have a run game. Josh Jacobs has been yes. horrible. Yeah. You know. Um, they, I thought that one of the reasons I thought that you know they could cover last night. I thought that they'd be able to run through this Pittsburgh defense and they couldn't open up any holes. I don't know if he's being cautious or there's not you know the blocking isn't there, but the it's just totally different. It's night and day. So you know. You're going to rely on Hoyer um, and his arm against even a you know, mediocre defense. That's a that's a rough one. I, I think that drop off should get them to seven. I think the six is kind of a. Um, so is Garoppolo? Garoppolo isn't announced out yet, right? It's just oh, protocol. it's just in concussion protocol. Yeah. It's so that's probably what like a sixty percent probability these days, fifty percent probability that you can actually yeah. get through protocol. So if you go from four to six, this thing might get the if he's officially out, this could get the seven and a half because of the. Well, depending on you know what you value the key number there, so it, it might be seven and, and a quarter. You know, this might be like a sixty percent probability that he's out. So I think that it will definitely get above that seven, um, maybe seven and change if uh, if Boyer's announced in. Well, we'll get to see between Josh McDaniels and Brandon Staley who makes the most suboptimal fourth down decision in this game as well. Two Monday night football games, uh, two weeks in a row. 
Cleveland, start off with you quickly. Philly, Tampa Bay, what are you watching for in this game? What do you think the key is? I think that um, – I think we talked about this, George, on Saturday, right? You're, you're on the Bucks tonight. Is that right? Yeah, at six, not at five. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think that uh, – I. <laughs> We talked about. I like I like the Eagles tonight. I just think that uh, you know someone who uh, liked Tampa more than the market preseason had them week one, had them week two. Like I like them in a very specific matchup in a very specific spot. Uh, Baker does not like pressure. His O line is not very good. Uh, he's got two good receivers, but he needs time. And so I thought you know against Minnesota, you know yeah they blitz, but they've got bad corners on an island. But they can make some plays against the Bears, maybe the worst defense in the NFL. No pressure at all, you know. And even then, he only they only scored twenty offensive points in each of those games against you know two of the five worst defenses in the NFL. We we see what what those teams have allowed to other offenses. Uh, so I think this is a completely different animal. Bradbury is back. Uh, getting that extra rest is huge for Philly off that Thursday night. All their key. Secondary guys are back besides you know Avante Maddox, but they, they get Bradbury. And all you need are two cornerbacks uh, when you play Tampa. So they're in good shape there. The defensive line should obliterate this O line, and I don't I think they're going to make Baker look very very pedestrian. And it's just a matter of can Philly um, score enough on this defense? I think it will be a battle from that perspective. I, I like I said I like Philly. I think maybe the the team total under for for Tampa is a decent look, but I think this is like a 24-16 type game for, for Philly. Um, and I, I'd be surprised if the Eagles don't come out throwing a lot. They, t- they have a tendency to, when they face a, um, you know elite or really good run defense, that they attack through the air. They did that against Tennessee last year. It was an elite, they're a pass funnel, just like I thought the Browns would do with Watson, and they did. You know, very these analytically focused teams just are smart. They're they're not going to just run into a brick wall uh, in terms of the run game, so they're just going to drop back and throw against your weakness. And so I would think that they're going to do more of that. So I would look for a heavy pass game early from, from Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I think AJ Brown's got a shot to have a good game. I thought Devontae Smith was was nursing up a little bit of an injury, and I just think after a bad game last week, you know, I think they're going to um, go after him a lot or you know try to get him some targets. So. You know, I would take the Eagles here and uh, look for some heavy passing early, whatever that's worth. Suma, the story is coming out that James Bradbury is going to be playing in the slot and likely on Chris Godwin. Uh, if that's the case, where can Tampa attack this Philly defense, or can they? Because Philly tends to be vulnerable over the middle of the field. Yes, uh, very bad middle-of-the-field defense, and that's the way to attack them. But I agree with TA. I'm not sure that Baker will be in a good position to consistently attack that because, I mean, crazy mismatch in the trenches for for Philly here. Um, TA said it. They played the Vikings defense and the Bears defense, uh, barely got to 20 offensive points. And there's also a decent split between third downs and, and early downs uh, for this Bucks uh, pass offense. On early downs uh, this season, Tampa Bay's offense ranks 28th in passing success rate and I think 17th in EPA per play or something, or, or 16th. So they are doing a lot of damage on third downs, on late downs in general. And I'm not sure how sustainable that is going forward, especially when 
Baker might finally see a lot more pressure from the opposing defensive line. Um, Baker was also one of the best quarterbacks under pressure this season, and this also has to regress at some point. So I, I like this matchup for the Eagles. Um, Tampa Bay really surprised a lot of people early in the season, but I think this Eagles squad is, a, is going to be a different animal. Okay, I don't want to spend too much time breaking down the Rams and Cincy just because uh, there is still uncertainty with Joe Burrow. Right now, the market says three, which means they're not sure, even though they may lean towards Burrow playing. Uh, Suma, um, do you think we see Joe Burrow today? And my next question is, if we don't, how confident are you that Zach Taylor can create a good enough offense around Jake Browning? I think we see Burrow, at least that's what the last Twitter wave of, of information told us like there is going there is optimism that bro is going to play if he's out I don't trust Zach Taylor to orchestrate a lethal offense slash passing attack uh, to go to the toe with that Rams offense which should have a very decent matchup when we when we consider how that Bengals defense played so far this season and uh, we also consider from a macro perspective, uh, which players they lost in the offseason. So going to the season, uh, I thought that the Bengals' defense wasn't going to be as good as last year. And, I mean, against the Ravens', Ravens the backup offensive line, they could not get any pressure. So, And and the Rams' O-line is playing much better than anticipated, so I think Rams should be able to put up some points. And then it depends on how good or how healthy Burrow's calf is, in my opinion. Cleve, same two questions. Do you think we see Joe Burrow? And if not, do you have any confidence and faith in Cincy's offense today? I think Burrow's going to play. Uh, just too many. Um, it just it's, all the tea leaves are that he's going to play. I yeah, I uh, I have no idea how effective he's going to be. We'll say if you look at the Rams' defense uh, on early downs, they're like twenty fifth, twenty sixth in EPA. They're number one on third downs above expectation. So. Uh, they've really lived on those late down kind of stops. So if uh, if, if the Bengals are going to be successful, it should be on early downs, and you know they may lean to the run a little bit more with Mixon um, to take some pressure off Burrow. I'm not sure, um, you know, how he's you know mechanically how he's going to throw and kind of arm strength the end of that calf. I just I just don't know. There's too many very like, I have no interest in betting this game. I'll have a bet. I'll have my bets on uh, the Philly Tampa game and. You know, maybe have, I'll have the second TV on the side for uh, for the Bengals uh, Rams. I, I have no idea how this is going to go, but I would tend to lean the Burrow playing, right? Yes. All right. We'll put a pin in it right there. And, guys, I'm just letting you know ahead of time, if Miami uh, goes into Buffalo and wins and Tua looks great, I am going to be insufferable. The first I think we are off next Monday, right? Uh, in that case, the first four <laughs> topics of next right. week's show will be Tua Tagovailoa and like and Mike McDaniel and everything that comes with it. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow at 2 p.m. with myself and Sharp Clark to break down some film, recap both Monday nighters, and give you the first Thursday night preview. Uh, you won't want to miss this, so please subscribe, hit the notifications bell, and smash the like button if you haven't already done it. That's it for me. Thanks to Suma. Thanks to Cleve TA. Thanks to producer Jason. And thanks to you, the audience. Until next time.